Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas, and I'm joined by Gav Joshi. Gav, good morning. How are you today? I'm good, Menas. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Yesterday, when we scheduled this podcast, I was thinking, gee, there's not a lot of news floating around, but we definitely have to do one. But then, as last night unfolded, a couple of bombshells dropped. Let's start with the first one. Allegedly, and this is reported by Ben Horn in the Daily Telegraph, allegedly Glenn, uh, Glenn, Glenn Maxwell is under investigation by Cricket Australia because he was hospitalised last Friday night after a six-and-out concert due to overconsumption of alcohol. And allegedly he's being investigated. What do you think of that news, Gav? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the fact that you know, Glenn Maxwell is not 22, 23, um, and... But the fact that he's, you know, 35, 36, got a, I think a young daughter or a boy at home as well, he's going out and nothing wrong with that. But the fact that he's he's passed out and I, what I found in that story was that, um, was that I don't think Cricket Australia were informed to, you know, sort of 24, 36 hours later on. I know there's a some sort of statement from the Maxwell management saying that it was reached out to them, but... I think when, as per the story goes, um, you know, Cricket Australia weren't alerted to it. And the fact that if he had had, as reported in the story, taken by ambulance, um, I know the protocol within Cricket Australia, if there is an incident like that, normally the management is aware of it and it is uh, the, the management or the player, whoever, has to inform the, uh, the I think they call it the integrity unit, um, just to report more what's happened so they can investigate um, I guess they can protect the image of the player or and if the, if police are involved or other parties are involved, the communication needs to be done. And, of course, uh, uh, something has to be told to journalists like us. So the, given the fact there was a bit of a delay, uh, it just also means that maybe the Maxwell management seemed to almost put this to the side saying, yep, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, nobody's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll get through this. Yeah, you're right. Well, so what happened was I think the Tets finished last Friday in Adelaide and Six and Out were playing that night. And um, apparently a lot of members of the Australian Test team were there and Glenn was in Adelaide for for a golf tournament. But I think it's probably concerning on the back of a couple of other incidents. If you look last summer, he was at a party, he broke his leg and had to miss the whole summer and eventually sort of cost him any chance of playing in that Indian test tour. And then during the recent World Cup, you know, he fell off the back of a a golf cart and was ruled out of the England game. So um, as Ben Horn put in his headline, uh, Glenn Maxwell's relationship with alcohol is probably under scrutiny now. And I guess on a human level, I just hope this is, if he needs it, I hope this is a wake-up call for him. Absolutely. I mean, the the other thing is also you got to remember, you know, he was there for a golf tournament, and yes, he's yeah, he's given a bit of a break from that ODI team, um, 
And I, I know he was just coming back from a bit of an injury as well, so alcohol in terms of healing is not good. Doesn't portray a great image. Um, and Australia, you know, this cricket pretty much Australia's, it's been the cricket that's been on the back pages a little bit. We haven't had sort of this sort of incident for a, a while now. Um, so that will, excuse me, that will be a bit disturbing for, you know, Cricket Australia, and especially Maxwell, like you mentioned. It's not his first thing. I've heard a few, lots of stories from the IPL. Um, I won't get into them at the moment. But, yeah, you know, there, there seems – and he has had – you know, he did have to take some time away from sort of, um, you know, mental illness. And let's hope Glenn is okay. That's, that, that's, that's number one. But if there is an issue, then him and Cricket Australia need to sit down and – and talk about why it's happened, and um, the fact that he ended up in the ambulance. I mean, yeah, that that that's not that's not great. No, and this current Australian team is not a party team. Of course, I'm sure they enjoy themselves and celebrate wins, etc. But you know, they're not some like they're not a travelling circus like Australian teams of the past, where they're out every night on the lashes. That say in England, but I guess from a hard line approach, if if I'm sort of taking a less sympathetic side. Glenn is a professional athlete. If if his drunken behaviour has cost him a summer last year, a possible Indian tour, a World Cup game, and now he's been hospitalised, A, he's a professional athlete. He just needs to do better. He does, but d- does it really matter to him? I mean, that's that's the big question. I guess cricket is straight in to uh, address with Glenn Maxwell. I mean... You know, he came out with a statement. He said, "My, I think he's 35, 36. He said, the last game of cricket I play will be in the IPL. We know T20 franchise is going on. Yes, we've got a T20 World Cup. Um, uh, you know, and Cricket Australia would definitely manage him, protect him. Um, the fact that, you know, the, the T20 World Cup and Glenn Maxwell is arguably, you know, the, the first person who have his name down on that 11. Um, it could come June. So... Yeah, that, that's my concern. But how much does it bother Glenn Maxwell, or is it because of, like we said, he's he's struggling with something? So we don't know these details, Menas, um, and I think that needs to be discussed with him. But I mean, this is my concern going forward as well. You're contracted to the cricket board, but because you're sort of a T20 freelancer around the world, um, you know how are, how are these going to be built into contracts? I mean, you know, we're getting into a, a, a era where. You might have like a you know someone like a Chris Green who not contracted to any sort of state board or anything when he started, and then he was just playing cricket all around the world. And then if he gets himself to trouble, who who's viable for that? So that's something to think about for cricket Australia in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess the T Twenty franchise circuit it's a suit Glenn perfectly if he does like to go out late because much of, most of the matches don't start to 7pm so he can have a late night, sleep all day and then play during the evening. But look, concerning news, something to watch. Um, Glenn Maxwell was was already um, resting from the upcoming one-day international series against the West Indies. I think he's playing in the T20s, uh, but maybe this puts a question mark over it. And, uh, so, yeah, as you said, I hope Glenn's all right. I mean, I've heard the same things you have, that Glenn likes to have a good time, but who doesn't? I mean, he's a young man. I certainly did when I was in my 20s and 30s, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not judging him. But, as I said, as a professional athlete, he probably needs to do a bit better. And, and that's something that, you know, as you mentioned about this team, and that's something that probably, um, you know, we probably don't talk about much, is Pat, Pat Cummins being a captain under his leadership. Well, you haven't seen all these any of these incidents sort of probably saw them a little bit under, the, you know, Darren Lehman uh, regime. But, yeah, and, and plus the, it's the maturity of this It's an team, older you know. team. It's an yeah, older it's a, team. exactly. So when someone does it, it just seems like, well, hang on. There, I won't say it's a problem, but he seems to be the problem within the group rather than, uh, you know, it's it being a cultural or the team problem. Mm, just multiple cover-ups going on in Australian cricket right now. We've got the Glenn Maxwell incident that was attempted to be cover up. That's my that's my thoughts around it. I think they were hoping yep. to keep it quiet. And also David Warner's baggy green. If you're a private investigator, you've got some cases to to crack in Australian cricket. All right. So moving on from Glenn Maxwell, Glenn Maxwell, well, more news around. Go on. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say that also puts in perspective that you know we're in what end of January and 
you know, it's cricket mm. season sort of winding down and, and, you know, football codes are already on the back pages. So for Cricket Australia, this is where they have to be careful now because given that, you know, next sort of eight, nine months, and yes, we've got a New Zealand series coming up, but that's going to pretty much, I think it's end of Feb, that lines up with the football code starting. So there's not going to be much attention to cricket. No Ashes this year. There is a T20 World Cup, which is probably going to be you know, smack bang, middle of the football season, time zones are going to meet. And my and my point is that, you know, Cricket Australia probably sort of, in a way, have to protect the game of cricket because it's actually fading. If you look at the sort of the numbers and the season is getting truncated. I know it'll be a big summer next year when India get out here and then after that England. But apart from that, um, yeah, Cricket Australia just have to be, you know, aware of that. And, and that's hence they're probably trying to protect it. Last thing, they're struggling to get cricket on the back page anyway. And when they do, the last thing they want is stories like this. I guess after that performance against Afghanistan in the World Cup, Glenn Maxwell's one of our you know biggest box office cricketers. So you're right, you're right, Gav. All right, uh, moving on to look at the Adelaide Test. Not a lot of news around it. I guess the first thing is though that, uh, and it was announced last night that Travis Head has COVID nineteen and he'll be heading to Brisbane a bit late. It seems like he'll still be able to play. Matt Renshaw had COVID last year when he played in a test and he, he sat separately. So you might see Travis Head sitting on, on the boundary for, while he's testing positive for COVID. Um, but he should be able to play. I guess, Gav, if, if he if he is too crook to play, then Matt Renshaw would just slot into that number five spot. Yeah, he's done that job before now, especially I think Usman Kawaja is going to be cleared. So my... Um... Statement that uh, in our last podcast yeah. that I thought Kawaja won't play. You loved a big call, and that was my big call. But um, yeah, a little bit, you know, a little bit disappointing. Uh, but no, good for good for Usman. I think he looks. You just disappointed that you were wrong. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's what I meant. You fit in on this podcast. He <laughs> right. Kawaja has been cleared to play. Um, do you think the test will make day three? Uh Jeez, it's a good question. Depends who bat first. I think if Australia bat first, they probably get through to day one, and they're probably bat into day two. You know, windy sort of. Yeah, I, I think it does. Yes, day three for sure. If if West Indies bat first, you don't know. Uh, but the but yeah, if Australia bat first, I think so. I hope it's not a two day test, and I hope Australia bats first. I actually think. If Cummins wins the toss, he should do the right thing for the crowd. It's the last test of the summer. Bat first, try and put on a bit of a display. Allow you, your team to make 500 if they're good enough and then uh, bowl a couple of times. I think we could have the most, like the worst ratings for a test match ever. Um, really? For this one. Yeah, because it, it, it's coincided with the back, you know, the, the, the semi finals of the Australian Open. Um, and yeah, everyone in Australia around this time gets on a tennis bandwagon. It, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it's on Australia Day as well. Most people are going to be out. It's going to be quite a, you know, I think in Sydney it's going to be 40 degrees. People are going to be out. Um, it's the West Indies. Um, yeah, I, I just think it won't make it. I doubt if we'll make it to Saturday, but uh, I think a lot of junior cricket's also starting on Saturday. So I don't know, but uh, you know, how many people. Yes, it's a day night test, but. Yeah, I, I think this has been such poorly timed test match um, that, that, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand it. And so that's why I think the ratings are going to be incredibly poor. I agree with that. But just so aside from the ratings, and you just said it, you just added the words Australia Day, which you're actually probably not allowed to do at the Gabba on January 26th. Now, there's been a lot of debate because this test match is being played on Australia Day. And... Cricket Australia are moving away from using the term at the Gabba on January 26, recognising that for some people it's not a day of celebration. And uh, Jason Gillespie, who's obviously of First Nations descent, said, I don't understand why people are so hung up on January 26 when it clearly is a day that First Nations people find difficult to get around and be positive about. Gillespie said, in my opinion, another date would be best so that all Australians can feel part of it. And um, that's obviously because January 26th is the anniversary of when the first fleet arrived, which um, 
doesn't you know makes first nations people uncomfortable and they find it difficult to celebrate so it, it's been a bit, a bit of a debate that they're actually playing on australia day but cricket australia now are not going to be celebrating it on january 26th uh, and sort of wrestle with it but i guess politically i'm i think they should change the date so i have no problem with what cricket australia are doing i think it's the right thing to do to be inclusive i think they should move the date as soon as possible um, but, I, you know, it does sort of loom over the test match, Gav, this issue that, um, you know, is so fraught within Australian society now. Well, and when you have, uh, you know, opponents such as West Indies and there's not much going on, you know, think of, you need to make these the, the headlines. I, I'm not a, you know, I don't like sport and politics mixed. I, I, I like watching sport for what it is. I don't like sort of politics sort of mixed into sport. Uh, that's my personal opinion mm-hmm. um, at, at the end of the day. And I, I think it's just the lack of headlines that have, you know, and we can discuss this issue and I agree with your thoughts as well, like maybe change the name of the day and that, that so forth. And that's for somebody else to decide, not us. But we're here talking about, you know, cricket. And, and, and I don't think this should be... Um, you know that, that should we should still talk about you know there, there's other players in the West Indies team who have remarkable stories and where they've come back uh, come from you know that should be printed in the newspapers rather than um, I won't say rather than this but you know it, it's just this the political correct trend that sporting bodies are getting into and I just feel that the, the sport generally sport itself has more to offer and Let's create those headlines from that way rather than going down, sort of mixing it with politics. Mm, yeah, I, I, I disagree in some sense. I think it's hard to keep them separate a lot of the time. But, I mean, you, you know, you, so you look at News Corp and the Daily Telegraph, you know, they were, they were beating the drum about Cricket Australia not mentioning Australia Day at the Gabba like it's, you know, some sin because, Australia, um, you know, Cricket Australia is ashamed of Australia Day. And that obviously plays well to a certain market that reads the Daily Telegraph. Um, but but I just oh. think, and I agree with your thoughts around the quick, but I just think in this case, clearly, uh, you know, it makes First Nations people uncomfortable. Scott Boland is First Nations. Um, so is um, Ash Gardner, two Australian cricketers who've spoke about not wanting to play on Australia Day. And you're right, obviously, when there's nothing else to write about. But, but I think this is something that causes a lot of debate. And, you know, cricket reflects general society. So there's debate in society. The cricket reflects that. And I think that's why I was seeing this consternation around playing on Australia Day. And it just has to stop. You know, Australia needs to be unified in all aspects. And, and sport should be a, a part of bringing people together from all cultures, from all points of view. And, you know, this is a, a government issue. The government's too slack. They're sitting on their hands and they need to make a change. Well, that's that, that's right. So government issue, I don't think it should mix with sport. I think let, let, let them sort it out. It should be on the, you know, the, the, the front pages and the middle pages. But, the, but, but I, then, don't Gabby, think... I, don't, I don't have a problem then with Cricket Australia saying, look, we're not going to get involved any pageantry or celebration on Australia Day. For us, it's just going to be like playing another day of cricket and we'll just treat it that way. I think that's fine. Yeah, but they make a statement like that. I think too many... You know, just just focus. Instead of worrying about all those things, how about you fix up what's happening with Glenn Maxwell, Cricket Australia? <laughs> like it. Um, so so that is an issue that's bubbling around now. Yesterday it was announced that two players have been called up to the Australian One Day International squad. Glenn Maxwell is resting, as I mentioned before. So Xavier Bartlett, the leading wicket-taker in the Big Bash, has been called up to Queensland uh, quick. And I'm really excited about this. Jake Fraser McGurk, the rooster, who earlier this season smashed 100 off 29 balls in the Marsh Cup, which was a world record, beating AB de Villiers, has been called up to the Australian side. And Gav, he's played um, 13 first class games, 17 list day games, 35 T20s. He scored two centuries and five fifties in those games, spread across all the formats. This year has been a breakout year for him, um, scoring that century in the Marsh Cup. He also scored his first Sheffield Shield century. I quite like this pick from the Australians because, to me, it's, it's a total pick on potential and just a, a, a glimmer of what they've seen this summer. Yeah, one thing, uh, credit to, you know, George Bailey and the selection staff is, is the fact that, you know, they're recognising these efforts in the Big Bash as well. 
Uh, you're talking about Xavier Bartlett and, and domestic competitions, you know, such as Fraser McGurk. Um, you know, you look at Matt, Matty Short, you know, he had that outstanding sort of year in the Big Bash last year and then sort of put himself into the Australian selection, uh, you know, had a, made his debut, play, played that series in sort of India, uh, South Africa. Um, and, and that's great to see. So yeah, full excitement, I think, you know, it's against a series against the West Indies and, and one eye to the future. We've mentioned it on the podcast numerous times that, you know, I think in gen, generally, even if you look at the, the World Cup winning squad, I mean, I don't think there was anyone less than the age of 29. Um, so, that, you know, you've got to look towards the future and, and, and this is the time to do it. So we've seen other countries do it nicely. Um, you know, could he could replace someone like a Glenn Maxwell. You, you don't know. Champions Trophy yeah, is in 2024. We might have a different team. Um, I mean, that's not a you know, someone like Amanda Slabashan, you probably think, won't be there in that team uh, who's part of the World Cup. So you need to fill these uh, places in. Also, you know, like the Xavier Bartlett you you bring up, you know, going to that 2024 Champions League. I mean, we don't know, would Josh Hazelwood be there? Would, would, would Pat Cummins be there? So you're looking at that bowling perspective as well. So that's really good to see. And I think they're on the right path. And not only that, I think they're giving people a go who have been performing in white ball domestic cricket. Yeah, indeed. And so, you know, McGurk's such an exciting player. He's got that, as you say, that Glenn Maxwell type, um, you know, six hitting ability. And, you know, he made a move in the last winter from Victoria to South Australia. Um, he's still playing for the Melbourne Renegades, but he's playing his domestic cricket for South Australia. And that was about him just getting a fresh start because he'd been in the scene for a few years but hadn't lived up to his potential. Um, but, but he's a genuine match winner. And often you see with a young player like this, they'll pick them in the Australian squad, A, for experience, but also just to sort of show a young player what it takes to be in the Australian team, how they train, how they behave, uh, the sort of intensity needed when you're playing for Australia, the sort of scrutiny you're under. So so I really like this pick from Bailey because, you know, he's, it, you know, he hasn't knocked the door down McGurk, but he's, he's shown that he could be, a genuine superstar and, and you don't want him disappearing off to the T20 leagues and, and sort of being lost to domestic cricket. Yeah. And you're giving him a chance when he's in form, you know, he's in, um, oh, look, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to it, but and, and it's a little bit different matter, but also, you know, someone like a Will Koski, like, you know, he was thrown into the test when he was in good form, unfortunately hasn't happened for him. But that's also important. You, you don't, Even Matty Short, you know, you've got to bring them in when they're scoring runs, the confidence is up, not just leave them sort of, you know, on the side. I think, uh, you know, someone like a... And once they're in that setup, you know, you look at someone like a Tanvi Sanger, he was part of, officially not part of the World Cup winning team, but he he was there. He, he He's seen those incidents. He's seen how they win. So... All that is really important, and and I think yeah, George Bailey. Oh, you, maybe we might even see another couple of players coming in and out as well, because I think Australia's got to start looking um, into the future, uh, because you know it, it, it's that time where I, I, I think we just need to see more youngsters um, sort of being migrated into into this, uh, especially in white ball cricket now. Yeah, it certainly makes the series against the West Indies a bit more interesting. I want to see how Jake Fraser McGurk goes at international level. All right, that, that's it for most of the uh, international news. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to wrap up the Big Bash. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menes. I'm joined by Gav Joshi. And the Big Bash finalists have been decided. The mighty Sydney Sixers march into their seventh Big Bash final. Uh, they'll be playing at the SCG. They'll be hosting the Brisbane Heat. The Heat have won the title once. The Sixers have won the title three times before. And the Sydney Sixers have been in great form at just the right time. They beat the Perth Scorchers at Optus Stadium to seal second spot. Then they beat the Brisbane Heat at the Gold Coast to to host the final. And, Gav, this is where having a really strong domestic core of players comes to the mm. fore because, um, you know, all the most of the international players have gone, yet, um, you know, that Sixers have that experienced domestic group that know how to win big games. Yeah, and their team hasn't changed, as you mentioned, you know. Anyone from Stock to, you know, Moses Enriquez to Jack uh, Jack Edwards. Uh, you're right, that domestic core experience is vital, especially, you know, we're going to see this, you know, I think this, it was the Scorchers that lost a set of, a lot of players as well. Um, and it, you're spot on. And, and that, I guess that's the big challenge with the, you know, I think it's the, the South African League and also the one in Abu Dhabi sort of running in parallel. Um, and I think that's it's where bizarre. it's bizarre. Well, it's bizarre, yeah. though, those leagues. Because you look on and I was like the other night, I was like, why is Jack Edwards opening the batting all of a sudden? Oh, that's right, James Vince is gone. And then I was watching yes. the Brisbane Heat last night. And this is no offence to this player, but Charlie Wakin, the, the Tasmanian batter, yeah. made his debut in in Brisbane Heat colours. He played a couple of big batch games before, but that's because no Australian players are available and no international players are left, basically, for the, the Heat, except for Walter. And it just shouldn't be like that for the finals. You know, you want the best teams yeah. competing in the finals. Well, again, you know, this is the challenge. And, you know, Cricket Australia have done a stunning job, I think, sort of truncating the BBL. But now, again, they have this issue, um, you know, get, getting to that second week of Jan. Um, Menas, the, the challenge is, you know, and, you know, most of Australia is sort of still wrapping up school holidays. But the fact that, you know, Australian Cricket Open is on, uh, sorry, Australian Tennis Open is on, you know, these T20 leagues are sort of in the back end of sort of mid-January. And it's disappointing because you're like, well, hang on, what's happening here? Yeah, everyone's getting confused. And so, yeah, it's difficult to fathom. And I, I don't know why the Big Bash final is, you know, should it be on a weekend though? Maybe. I mean, it's a, they have to play it on a Wednesday night to fit in this test against the West Indies. It's yeah. a bit like, you know, I've heard a lot of people say this, but cricket just cannibalises itself. That's the problem. You know, yeah. cricket's competing against itself and meaning, for example, uh, so last night was the, 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 the second biggest game of the summer between the Brisbane yes. Heat and the Adelaide Strikers. Winner makes the final. So Brisbane Heat, who own the right to host this match, have to play it on the Gold Coast because they need to get the Gabba ready for the test match, which starts on Wednesday. Uh, sorry, Thursday, I actually think in the end they should have played at the Gabba last night and just said, whatever pitch we get for this test against the West Indies will be fine. It's more <laughs> important to play. Well, because we've talked about the standard of this test match. It won't really matter. But playing that game on the Gold Coast significantly hampered that fixture because for, for a start, uh, school started in Queensland yesterday. So you, you couldn't have right. people travelling from Brisbane down for the, the night. So you were yes. just sort of hoping for a local crowd. And and I just think, you know, playing on a Monday night away from their home ground, we saw a pitiful crowd. I didn't get the final number, but uh, I'll try and get it now. It was it was just pathetic. And, yeah. um, you know, that's oh. the second biggest game of the season. And, and I, I had a look. I started watching it. And to be honest, I flipped over to watch the – I was more excited to see the, the upcoming stars of Australia. But, and I started watching Australia – under-19 World Cup against Namibia. Um, and then I sort of, yeah, and it was just because I just felt like, well, it, it, there was some good batting going on as well. But, you know, I was just like, well, hang on. Like, uh, yeah, I, Another I, I don't know. Up. Another cover-up, Gav. Another cover-up. <laughs> the crowd figure's not available from last night. <laughs> but, yeah, like I was... I wanted to see the Australian under-19 team, let it be against Namibia rather than watch the Big Bash. Yes, 
people might laugh at me, but I just felt I was more into the Big Batch in that sort of December rather than now. It just feels like, yes, it's short, but there's just too many better things going on at the moment. Well, that's why I think it sucks that all the international players have gone and there's a lot of talk that maybe they need to actually get rid of the international draft because it just isn't working and what it does is it hampers teams being able to negotiate with players for the whole season early in the year. So if there was no draft, you could have the Big Bash teams now looking at players that want to commit to the whole summer next year rather than leaving it before the finals and that way you could – Teams could have more control over that. What about this, uh, Menace? Why don't we go back to originally how the big clash was? Uh, Jack Edwards has to play for New South Wales. Uh, you know, Glenn Maxwell has to play down in Melbourne for some Victorian team. Uh, Matt Renshaw has to play up north. Like, no chopping and changing, you know. Philippi has to, you know, has to stay out of the West. How about that? Well, no, none of this franchise and move these people around. If, if, if you've got a state contract, you know, you play for that state team um, in the Big Bash. Thoughts? Mm, I'm not sure I like that one. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't think that would make a big difference. I think what I think more something like scrapping the draft and trying to get international players for the whole summer would do better. Um, I don't mind players moving around because I kind of like it when you you have sort of, you know, teammates going Smith against, against each other. Yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I think maybe they need to look at the draft. Um, but just on Monday night's game, the Heat versus Strikers, it was actually a good game. Brisbane Heat batted first, made seven for 214. Josh Brown, yeah, um, who's a bat maker, hit 140 off 57 deliveries, the third highest score in the Big Bash, the second fastest. He hit 10 fours and 12 sixes the most sixes in a big bash innings, strike rate of 245, and the, the strikers were bowled out for 160 in reply. But that was phenomenal watching and just a shame that it was sort of hidden in the Gold Coast on a Monday night with a, a very small crowd. Um, yeah, I mean, amazing. I saw the highlights, started watching it. I did watch a little bit, but then, uh, but you're, you're right. It, it was a great bat, batting display that had to be sort of, you know, you wanted more eyeballs on it, and I think that that's where it went sort of wrong. I, um, the, mm. I mean, 12, so many sixes. It's a big ground, Carrara, and for him to just hit those back-of-length balls, I saw that. They're going a long way back. So it was a very impressive batting. Um, and, and heat in the sixes in the final. I, I mean, I like. I think one thing I did like, momentum is so key, isn't it? Adelaide strikers probably about sort of two or three weeks ago, we were like, mm, can they get there and back with Matt Short? They sort of gained that momentum in that T20, um, you know, in the T20 contest. And you just sort of build that. And you look at someone like the Scorchers, who almost went the other way. I, I thought they were mm. the favourites in a way, and then they lost their form. Um, and, and, and it's hard to gain that back, especially in T20 cricket. Um, and once you have that momentum, you just ride it. And Adelaide Strikers are a good example of that as well. So it, it's going to be a fascinating final. Um, you know, I think the home advantage is huge for the Sixers. And, you know, I just think they have a more of a balanced bowling lineup. Um, I, I'm expecting the Sixers to win. Yeah, I'm expecting the Sixers to win. But last summer, the Heat knocked out the Sixers from the competition at the SCG in the qualifier. So the Heat have form beating the Sixers at the SCG. Yeah, it was very surprising to see the Scorchers lose, lose two in a row at home, to oh, get bundled yeah. out of the competition. I mean, that Sixers win was one of the best games in Big Bash history. But then to lose to the Strikers a couple few nights later, that was quite yeah. surprising. But as you say, really good result for the Strikers. They came home with a wet sail. And, look, they just ran into a, a bludgeoning and um, awesome Josh Brown. And, you know, I think you'll see Josh Brown playing a few franchise, franchises around the world after, you know, showing everybody what he can do with that huge hitting. That was just his second half century in the Big Bash. and. Made it a monster, monster innings. Um, but just with the Sixers and why I think they're so strong and why I think they should win is they don't rely on just one player to, to win the matches. They've been really lucky in that right throughout the summer, different players have stood up. You know, and for example, in their batting, there's, there's four players between 200 and 300 runs. 
and there's you know a couple of players just under that. You know, it's not one of those teams where you have say someone at the top who's you know getting 500 runs a summer. It's actually spread around. They've actually all taken turns at um, leading the way. And then if you look with the ball, it's the same thing. You've got Dwarshus who's having an exceptional summer with 16 wickets. But Jack Edwards with 11 wickets has been very good. You've got Jackson Bird, who I'm not sure played, nine wickets. Stephen O'Keefe and Sean, Sean Abbott with seven wickets. It's it's not one player getting the job done for the Sixers. It's a, a real team effort. And that's why I think they're heavy favourites going into Wednesday night's final. Also, a lot of ex- finals experience within the team. You know, they did play in three consecutive finals before last summer. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if the Sixers don't send off Stephen O'Keefe into retirement with a win and their fourth title. But, you know, don't discount the Brisbane Heat because, you know, Matt Kuhneman on that pitch could be difficult. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And depending, I think Wednesday it's supposed to get pretty hot as well. Um, mm. you know, it's coolish today. I, I think it was pretty hot on the weekend. So interesting to see what the SCG pitch might be like. You know, you, if you get a bit of a, you know, a, a slow person, I think Brisbane Heat would prefer, uh, you know, a, a quick pitch. Uh, highest the scoring game, I, I think it plays into Brisbane Heat's hand. And I don't think the SCG pitch would be like that. I think it had so much cricket on it. <clears throat> Uh, you know, around that sort of, if it's a 160-odd mm. pitch, I, I think the Sixers, if we get to that yeah, you know, sort of 180, 190 pitch, I, I think the Heat the heat have the better hitting power uh, perhaps to get home. Well, there we go. And just one more piece of um, Big Bash news. <laughs> the, the draft's under scrutiny and uh, just some news on Glenn Maxwell. He's resigned the Stars' captaincy after five years. This came out last week. So he's captained the team for five seasons. In his first two seasons, they made the finals. They lost to the Renegades, then they lost to the Sixers. But then the last three seasons have been very disappointing for the Melbourne Stars. So he's resigned the captaincy. And I think probably the right time for him to um, check out. And I guess in the end, it was a disappointing reign. And, And I guess it's a disappointing club, the Melbourne Stars generally. And so... I don't know how much Glenn is to blame for that, but if he's out all night partying, certainly not going to help. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know that. You can probably saying that with a bit of tongue in cheek. But, yeah, I mean, I think a new era for the Melbourne Stars, Gavin, probably the right time because they, the Big Bash needs the Stars to be competitive. Yeah, you well, you know, you, you do. I, like I mentioned, I... I Sometimes I feel like eight teams is too many for the Big Bash. You know what I mean? Like I, I sometimes feel that, yes, it provides opportunity, but I, I'm thinking in the longer run and given these sort of, you know, as you mentioned, like so many T20 leagues come up, I might even go back to six teams, play a shorter thing. We might have just a sort mm, of a, wow. the, the, the three and a half week window. It, it, it literally starts around 15th of Feb and, uh, sorry, 15th of uh, December and it's wrapped up, you know, by... 15th of Jan, like it's done. Like that's, you know, yes, it'll double up um, with, you know, test cricket. Um, <clears throat> but start, yes, this year it wasn't possible due to the World Cup. Start start your sort of domestic season and almost big bash. By 15th of, you know, d- January, I think the cricket season's pretty much done, um, Menas. I, I just see so many headlines about, you know, about sort of NRL. It's you know, people are just speaking to friends and and people in the oh, office sad. or anywhere. It's, it's everything is about footy now. It, it's actually started. Very so sad. you know, like talk back radio from, from sports talk back radio from SEN to Big Breakfast. It's all about. It's people can't just wait for the league to start. And I think it it will start. You know, given another week, Australian tennis open sort of going on. Once that's over, this time next week, I guarantee you, nobody's talking cricket. Well, it certainly could be done. I mean, if you look at this summer, they actually had a five-day break for one of the test matches against Pakistan. That was the Perth test. They put the Big Bash on hold for five days to play that. You know, you take that five days back and you you play a test match during the day and you play the Big Bash at night, then you're right. You could finish the Big Bash five days ago without changing too much. You just take out that break. And I, I think that's what, you know, Aaron Finch has reportedly said, that he thinks it still can be tighter 
He doesn't talk about reducing teams, and I don't like reducing teams, but you could certainly make it tighter in terms of time and therefore get it finished earlier. And as you say, you'd solve the problem of players leaving, you'd solve the problem of it coming up against the Aussie Open, and you could still have a really good competition. So it's, it's not the worst idea. Where where, um, where where would the first test be next year? Well, I think they'll probably go back to their traditional um, Gabba. Gabba first test. Let's face the Indians yeah, I, on a, a raging seamer and really see how they go. Yeah, I'm hearing that it, it could be I think they're going to probably start in, in Brisbane or Perth. Um, and I think the summer would start. They're likely to try to start very early, uh, which could be around sort of that 22nd um, uh, you know, of, of November um, and Sydney becomes sort of the last test. Um, yeah, and, and, uh, yeah th- so I think that would be it. I think they might go Brisbane. Uh, I'm not sure, but maybe they'll go Brisbane to Adelaide, uh, but they, they find it more comfortable. They, they don't want to, you know, either start with Perth um, and that's something because I think from what I understand, BCCI, like their cricket season, they want to ensure that they have some another test series starting in India, sort of, you know, back end of Jan. Um, so about this time next year. So they want the five tests done. So I think they want to, India wants to wrap up and they want SCG to be the last test. And if we're going to have mm. SCG as the last test match, we have to start pretty much around 25th of November. Yeah, and that works out perfectly because then if the Big Bash runs for another, say, two weeks yep, after exactly. that, um, you could have all the Aussie international players there for the, the climax of the tournament. All right, um, one more talking point to end before we get to Can't Let It Go, and this goes counter to what you've been saying. Dan Bredig reported in The the Age that the, the cricket chief out of the ACT in Canberra is making waves about the ACT entering the BBL, the WBBL, and the Sheffield Shield. Now, I sort of sat back and reflected on this, Gavin. I think all three competitions sort of have different issues. So if we work backwards, I think the Sheffield Shield could benefit from an extra first-class team. I don't think there's enough opportunities for first-class cricketers in this country. If you look at the, the six teams, so you can only have 66 players in a round of Shield cricket. I don't think that's enough for such a cricket-mad country. So I think adding a a team to the ACT would certainly be beneficial for the Sheffield Shield. What do you think? Uh, Disagree. I think six is enough. I think, yep, I think think our foundations have been so good. We don't need to change anything. You know, Australia traditionally been very successful at test cricket given our domestic structure. Sometimes, you know, the Poms and, you know, India, they have like, 20 or 30 teams. Um, yeah, we have I like, six. Well, yeah, that's good enough. I, enough. Mean, we, I, I think so. I mean, look at some of the teams. I mean, we, we've seen enough, you know, sort of games at the SCG that we've commentated on. And you look at some players and you're like, how is he playing first-class cricket? He's not good enough. Um, so I, I still don't think, you know, there's enough talent there, like in the sense that, uh, no, I think I think six is right. I think six is enough. I mean, if you can't get a go, then you know, generally the getaways to, to go to Tasmania. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I disagree. I think Chill Cricket Six. I like it. It's been foundations. I think it's always worked. Um, I think the big test is sort of you know in in two years away, um, and as I think we're going to really see has first class cricket been as good as what we think because. Once Smith goes, Kawaja goes, uh, you know, where are these cricketers good enough not just to play first class cricket, but the gap between the first uh, the first class and Test cricket? And how much uh, is it has it grown? Is it sort of you know it's gotten less and less over time? I'm not sure, but we'll find out in a couple of years. Now, take your point, but I just think Australia's population is growing, and uh, you know it's it's a big call to move down to Tasmania if you can't get an opportunity somewhere else. Whereas I think you know the the ACT, apart from you know it has a very robust d- domestic or grade cricket competition in the ACT, it could you know bring in players from Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland that aren't getting a go for some reason, and and I just think there's. Too many good cricketers not playing first-class cricket at the moment. Uh, I, I like the idea of a team in the Sheffield Shield. Next I one. Think, the, go on. Yeah, no, I, I think too many average cricketers are playing first-class yeah. cricket. Well, 
Um, next one is the WBBL. And again, a different situation, but the ACT actually has a team in the Women's National Cricket League. So if they added a WBBL team, it would just be an extension of that. And again, I don't think that's that's an issue, but nine WBBL teams might be a bit of a stretch for the talent at the moment. Yeah, um, we've done some WNCL games and some of the, you know, ACT, oh, you know, it's, it's because players have gone there, but they don't look as strong as what they used to be, so, um, you know, looking back through the, the competition. Uh, and we've, you know, spoken to a lot of experts and we've been able to commentate with a lot of the, the women who played, you know, in WNCL over the last sort of 10, 15 years and those players are saying it's it, it's different. We So I, I don't like that ACT idea. Uh, I think, um, yeah, they, they should be just... Look, we get good crowds and stuff, so that might be a push for it. Maybe just, like I said, Thunder take games down there. Maybe that's an alternative that, you know, maybe each franchise or sorry each each bbl team get out of their home team gets to play one game in, in in canberra or just have a bit of a carnival down there over a weekend where you just you know over sort of friday saturday we get a couple of double headers and just have that weekend of cricket in canberra do something like that what about if cricket australia sold a bbl franchise to an ipl club say the mumbai indians the 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 act indians and you know, Australia could, you know, get a couple of hundred million dollars in the, the bank account. Uh, it's still, a, it'll affect the integrity of the competition is what I've been told. Yeah, I guess it'd be weird to have one team <laughs> privately owned and the rest owned by Cricket Australia. You'd probably have to go all private ownership. Well, Gabby's against the ACT cricket expansion. I'm a bit more lukewarm on the idea. I think they could start at the Sheffield Shield and then sort of build up from there. And I think as Australia grows, you want more opportunities for cricketers. And with so many opportunities overseas, I guess if someone's playing first-class cricket in Australia, it might be an incentive to stay at home. Well, Gav, that's it. Now we've just got can't let it go. That little bit of cricket news, you just can't let go through to the keeper. And I've got another curly one for you. So Dan Cherney from News Corp and friend of the show is reporting that the head of Zimbabwe cricket has suggested promotion and relegation for the Test Championship. Now, listeners, the way it works is there's 12 Test-playing nations, but only nine compete in the World Test Championship. Zimbabwe, Afghanistan and Ireland, while having Test status, do not compete in the Test Championship. But I actually like the idea of two divisions of six, a top and a bottom division, and the Test Championship being the, you know, the top division plays each other in the cycle and then the bottom team, say, drops down and the top team from the bottom division comes up. I think something like that could add real um, punch to Test cricket. Uh, it, yeah, I, I don't mind it. Um, there was also an alternative there. I think, so. I think some cricketers were suggesting just a pure three-month window for test cricket but that that's hard because most countries do play that sort of you know from that november december jan but england don't so england probably don't even get a home test match <laughs> uh, I, yeah i knew i knew you'd laugh at that thought but um but do they yeah one? do they deserve one i mean it, it, it's strange it, it's strange isn't it like it's um because Winning away, I think teams have improved at winning away now. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we, we've seen West Indies. We've seen, I thought Pakistan were very competitive out, out here and could have won a test match or two. Uh, so, look, it, it's a challenge, but... Do you like I, it? I, I, two, two divisions, you know, that no, way if you're in the second division. I division, don't. I don't. No, like don't. Nah, no like it. Um, my can't let it go... Uh, you still want to change? You just don't like change, do you, Gary? I don't. I actually don't. I, I think everything's working well. I mean, yep. Look, T20's taken over, and keep Australia go. Day. Don't don't go back to. Well, I didn't say state, that. State I, 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 I just said. I just said whining. Just, <laughs> just whining. <laughs> Um, I can say like so, most yeah. people say, saying, as long as it, as long as we get a holiday somewhere. <laughs> yeah, as long as we get a day off somewhere. Um, was it my? I can't let it go. Is it, the, the under nineteen World Cup is on, and I love under nineteen World Cups. And according to statistics, one out of three uh, players go on to play at the highest level. But 
I just don't like it how it's on Amazon. It's it's not on Foxtel. What? You know? Yes, it's on Amazon. That that's part of that ICC deal. I, I mean, no. I, I, correct me if I I'm wrong. Where it was. I have I, Amazon, I, so I'm okay. Yeah, I, I don't think even the World Cup will be telecast on Foxtel this year. That's right. I, it'll I, all be on Amazon. It will be on Amazon, and this is the start of it. And yeah, I I don't like it. I mean, it's got Fox it's just cricket. The, it's just You've the got, ICC hanging, feed, though, isn't it? It's just the ITC yes. feed. Yeah, but, you know, Menace, we have Foxtel, which has got Fox Cricket. Now, yes, Fox Cricket. Yeah, and the Australian under-19 team is playing. Uh, you know, I want to watch it. I'll, I mean, you've got Fox Cricket. You you know, you publicise yourself. I know it's you've got to buy the rights for that. You've got to fight for those rights and get it. I, I'm, I'm not – I'm a little bit unhappy. For the World Cup, I don't want to watch it on Amazon. It's What's the point of having Fox Cricket? Can you? I wonder if you could compete with Amazon. They've just got so much money. That's the problem. If they decide yeah, to do it, it's just they just just they just add on you know tens of millions. It just doesn't matter to them. It's just like you know throwing money in the air for them. But I mean, did did, did they have an on on Prime? Did you see? Did they have an in studio team? Um, you know, because you know Fox normally have the ICC feed, but they a lot of the time they'll have an in studio team. Was there anything like that, or is it just uh-huh. straight? I pretty much switched on at 7 p.m. on the dot and, um, you know, young Anderson was Australian opening bowler was bowling. So that that's where I started. So they're on every day to maybe check it out. I think the coverage does start at 6. If it's at 6.35, um, we might see that ICC feed because the game's supposed to start at 7. So maybe something to discuss and keep an eye out on over the next couple yeah. of days. The Under-19 World Cup that I watched a lot of was the one where Mitch Marsh was the captain. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, t- t- 2010. Him, Josh Hazelwood. Exactly. And I think they won in, it. Yeah, New over Zealand. in New Zealand. So it was good timing for us to sort of wake up at 8 o'clock and it's on. And I remember coming out of that, I was telling everybody, this Mitch Marsh is going to be a star. He's just going to absolutely nail it. You watch. He's going to be everything. And then for the last 10 years, I've been regretting saying that. Until <laughs> until recently, till about two years ago, maybe. <laughs> yes, um, um, yeah, but I mean, Australia just—I won't say scraped home, but I mean, Namibia got were rolled for ninety-one, and Australia, well, well, they got this, and they lost six wickets. So I don't know about the next prop of Australian batting coming through. Um, you know, Sam Constance, we saw him make his debut in front of our eyes at the SCG. He got a good ball. He was bowled for one. Um, and a couple of other players. The bowling looks good, and always Australia's been blessed to have those athletic sort of tall bowlers who can bowl that 140. So we saw that. But, yeah, the batting, I mean, Namibia sort of pushed Australia, um, you know, chasing 91 Australia, six uh, wickets down. And they got there in 20 overs, but, you know, lost six wickets. Wow. Sounds like a good game and a long way to go. Well, Gav, thanks for joining me. Big week of cricket. We've got the Big Bash final. So I'll be at the SCG on Wednesday night. So I'll try and get some good audio for the podcast. Hopefully um, the Sixers win. Then we've got the Test match. So that works out well, Gab. We can review the Big Bash final and the first day of the Test on Thursday. That'll be delightful. Absolutely. Well, listeners, thanks for tuning in to Cricket Unfiltered. Don't forget, rate and review the show. Perhaps share the, the, the podcast on social media. And we'll be back soon. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.